Hello and welcome into the Mavs Draft Podcast. Uh, my name is Jared, along with Mr. Mavs Draft himself, Richard Stamen. How are we doing today? It's been a couple weeks. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. I'm uh, very excited for this episode. Me too. It's a special episode today. It will be our first mock draft on the podcast. First of all, it'll probably be a couple, um, but with a couple caveats. Uh, first and foremost, uh, this is, I guess you would call it like a dueling mock draft, so to speak, where we alternated picks. And uh, I found that that experience to be pretty interesting because, um, you know, you have to adjust to what the other person is doing. And we'll, we'll kind of get into in a minute some of the surprise picks that Richard in particular made um, that kind of had, had me trying to adjust later on. Um but, you know, it's something that real GMs have to deal with. There's shock picks, and, and you have to to go off script sometimes. Yeah, and I think these end up probably being more realistic because, I mean, first of all, uh, a regular one-man mock draft goes off one mindset, uh, whereas, you know, not I feel like in this class especially, not every not the same two people. Uh, I'm botching this statement, but two people aren't, you know, high on the same two people. Like, I mean, there's going to be guys who, I mean – you'll see by the sixth pick that we were like, whoa, what? And they were both by me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, I even surprised myself a little bit. But, like, I think these end up being realistic. Like, I mean, I did the 30-person Twitter mock draft, and, I mean, that that was a nightmare uh, in a good way. Like, obviously, like, it was just you never know what's coming, and I like that. It's a little bit the surprise element, and it's very real, like you said. Yeah, yeah, definitely in a way more realistic than, you know, one person kind of going through their notes. Uh, the other important um, kind of need to know about this draft is that this is not what we predict will happen. This is what we would do if we were in charge, at least to a degree. Um, I, I definitely factored a little bit of, you know, shock, so to speak. But, um, you know, I, I also tried to go, you know, what I would do in a given situation, which was tough because, you know, putting yourself in the mindset of a different team, um, you know, you're, you're going to have to change your mind on, you, you can't necessarily just go best player available, especially for some of these earlier picks. Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's, uh, I mean, for me, it was like, you know, a lot of these times you said chalk, like a lot of these guys, you know, it's the same top five we see in every mock. And for me, I know when I've seen some of these mocks, I'm like, why don't they just go with the one who actually fits them? Uh, like that's not a terrible reach. And we, I know we got that on some of ours. Um, and I just, I generally think like we really hit it on the head on this mock. Like maybe we're wrong, but I feel like this is a, really we probably are, mock. but that's, there's nothing wrong with that. We're not claiming to be experts here. We're just, uh, just having some fun wrong. This is actually the most perfect mock. You won't ever find a better one. No. <laughs> All right. So I'm not going to co-sign that, but on that <laughs> note, uh, we, uh, we actually came up with this mock uh, over the course of a couple days uh, this past week. Um, so I'm actually going to have to kind of go back in and try to remember where I was, uh, <laughs> where my head was at. But uh, I, I, we alternated picks. I had odds, you had evens. So I picked first, and I had the Minnesota Timberwolves taking Anthony Edwards out of Georgia. Um, that was a tough call for me. Um, you know, we, we talked back at the, the first episode of the podcast how 
I don't think Anthony Edwards is necessarily the best player in the draft. I wouldn't necessarily pick him number one overall. I think the the Timberwolves winning the lottery kind of shifted that mentality for me a little bit. Um, I just think he's a better fit than LaMelo at this point, who I believe is a better player. I think if I was truly sticking to my board and still kind of going based off of needs, I would have picked Okongwu. I, I do have him as a higher rated player at this point. Um, and I think he's a perfect fit for what Minnesota needs. Uh, you know, someone who could play off of Carl Anthony Towns perfectly, uh, you know, can can play the, um, you know, play the five, the five on defense, four on offense type of player. Um or, or vice versa, really. I mean, he can do either way. Um, but ultimately, I, I think the ceiling of Edwards and specifically the defensive ceiling, I think, is massive. And again, I'm not sure he ever gets there. But if he does, that trio of Edwards, Cat, and Russell, um, I think, is is the makings of a championship contender. Yeah, that big three on paper, at the least, would be one of the better ones in the league. Uh, I really like, I mean, you know, Edwards is my number one guy. Uh, I do think that is who the Wolves should take. Uh, however, I was kind of surprised, like you said, I thought LaMelo Ball would be your pick. Just because I don't, I don't see Russell as a true point guard, and I don't see Anthony Edwards as a true point guard. Um, so I, I would have gone mellow if not Edwards. Like, that's, for me, it's 1A, 1B, and I like the Okongwu argument. Yeah, and I see what you mean there. I I think I think uh it would hurt Russell a little bit not being able to be on the ball as much. But um yeah, and I know that that's kind of the rumor out there anyway right now is that it's going to be LaMelo. So it'll be interesting to see what happens in real life, but uh you had the Warriors pick at number 2 and we already got a surprise. <laughs> yeah, so like I said, uh this is not exactly like like I said 2 minutes ago. Uh, there's just some picks where it's like the Warriors, especially like they're the king of these overthought, uh, picks. So I went Devin Vassell from Florida state, uh, the wing, he fits perfectly with what they need, whether or not they actually take him at two. I think he's worth it. Um, just because he's an immediate NBA ready guy. Plus he has pretty incredible upside. Um, and I think there's one team that's going to get the shooting out of him because I don't necessarily trust his spot up shooting to be as plus as everyone else makes it out to be. I think the Warriors are the team. Uh, and I don't think even taking him at two is a reach, really. I mean, like, he's the best defender in the draft, um, unbelievably intelligent, just does everything right. Like, he, he fits the Warriors, and they're trying to win in the next – I mean, their window's still three, five years at the max. That's probably on the generous end. He helps that, that out a lot. Like, a lot of these other guys still have a learning curve. There's no learning curve for him. Yeah, I uh, I would agree. I think I was surprised. Um and and we'll kind of get to later how that kind of <laughs> threw me for a loop. Um, is he worthy of that spot? To me, maybe not necessarily. I think if you're going to go in a different direction, like I would have maybe gone with a Coro if you wanted to go that direction personally. But again, I do think Vassell fits in perfectly with the Warriors from from a scheme perspective. I think I think he'd do just fine there. Yeah. And, and for me, it was like the defense is probably a little bit like on ball defense, especially is probably better from Okoro, but uh, I felt the difference in that didn't outweigh the difference in offense just because Okoro is probably not even close to NBA ready shooting. Re- NBA ready shooting. Goodness. I'm sorry. You said you were having trouble speaking off. Air. <laughs> it set, ended up being me. I don't know what happened, but uh, I mean, I really, I just think the, like I said, the gap in that on ball defense and shooting, it just heavily favors 
the sell for me on that. Yeah, so I, I would agree. Uh, moving forward with the third pick, I gave the Charlotte Hornets uh, the um, the previously mentioned Onyeko Kongwu, the post from USC. Um, I think he's he's a real glue guy. You know, we we saw that he get to the finals with with Bam Adebayo. I I think that's they're not the same player, but I think that's kind of the role he can fill. Um, and I think I, I do think you need a post presence to win in the NBA. Um, you know, Anthony Davis is is the best post player in the game, and and the Lakers are about to you know probably sweep if we're being realistic. Uh, in case I don't get this up in time, we're recording this on uh, October 3rd. So right now where they're at, it looks like they're going to sweep. Um, but I, I just I like what the Hornets have with Devontae Graham at this point. Um, and I think Okongwu would just be another um, another piece to to building that championship roster. Yeah. And I mean, the Hornets have obviously a great foundation with I like their forward combos of uh, DJ Washington and Miles Bridges. It's not going to not going to be one of the best in the league, but I mean, it's a damn solid duo. Plus you have a borderline all-star uh, for part of this year from Devonte Graham. Uh, I think adding a Congo, like you said, perfect glue pick. I mean, he's both, he's in our, both our top threes, right? I think he's number two for both of us. Yeah. Is that right? Yeah. yeah and I mean, the guy is incredible. Like he, <laughs> I really buy the passing development. I don't know if he's going to be a full court passer, like a uh, full court ball handler, like Bam Adebayo, but yeah, the, the impact is very similar. Uh, overall, really good pick. And then yeah. I had the, Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say, and then I had the fourth pick and then, uh, also previously mentioned with for Chicago, I took Lamella ball. Uh, again, Another team that, like Minnesota, a uh, big part of what I said was, you know, they need a lead guard. Uh, Chicago's in the exact same boat. Kobe White isn't a lead guard. Zach Levine isn't a lead guard. It's a really tricky situation. They're already kind of weird at point guard. Their entire roster is funky. Uh, but I think Lamella Ball, especially at four, that's really good value. He's top three for both of us. I think he's number one for you, right? Yeah, he's, he's my yeah. top player, and I think this would be a dream come true for Chicago. Yeah, it's just all around he. Almost like you said with the Kongu with being the glue, he puts it together. Like, he really helps make it fluid with Markkanen, um, with Wendell Carter, with Zach Levine, Kobe White. I mean, that's a really solid five-man group, and probably one of them will make get traded. Uh, but I really like that core. So, And then at the fifth pick with Cleveland, uh, you want to go ahead and tell them who you took? Yeah, I went with the uh, Israeli forward, uh, Denny Avdia. Um I, I definitely bought in after uh, his return to play, um, and he was phenomenal uh, shooting the ball, especially. That was one of the big concerns we had with him. Um, but I, I just think having that kind of, you know, point forward type of player to go with the backcourt that they currently have uh, makes some sense. Uh, he's proven that he can play off ball and be successful, and he's proven that you can put the ball in his hands and let him work. Um and again, I just think with the young core that Cleveland's putting together, um, you know, I think Denny makes some sense. Uh, he's he's been a pro for a long time, and I think walking into a uh, you know kind of a younger locker room, um, you know, he can make an impact early because he's he's been there on on the biggest stage. Yeah, in Cleveland, I mean, they've had historically bad defenses with every year pretty much since LeBron originally left and every year that he wasn't back in Cleveland. 
Uh, so having a forward that, I mean, he's a two-way guy that can also handle the ball. Those are two huge needs for Cleveland. Like, I really like that pick. Well, thank you. <laughs> well, hopefully you'll like my pick because I went bold at number six. You uh, sure did. This one threw yeah. me again. So I was actually considering him at two. I, I really think he's the first guy from Florida State to go. So with Atlanta, I took uh, Patrick Williams, the now 19-year-old. I'm used to saying 18. Uh, just turned 19 a month ago uh, from Florida State. I think for him, you know, a lot of people talk about Okoro as the perfect glue guy for them next to Trey Young. Makes up a lot of for a lot of his weaknesses. I think Patrick Williams does that a lot on both ends. Uh, and I think the upside is just unreal uh, for him. I think people are really underestimating him. The shot is a little bit weird, obviously, but I buy his defense, even though his mistakes were kind of weird. But I think they're all fixable. Uh, and he has insane physical tools. And he's a really gifted passer. Just someone like that next to Trey Young would be perfect. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, again, higher than I think I would have taken him, but I can't argue with the fit. Um, He's exactly the kind of player that Atlanta needs. Uh, He can grow with their core, um, and, you know, there's a good chance that he ends up being a top three player from this draft. He's got that kind of upside uh, with a relatively safe floor because of the the defense and – and you, I like the shooting. I think that's going to translate too. So, at worst, you got a three and D player. At best, you have, you know, um, a, a defensive player of the year candidate who who can score twenty points a game. So yeah, the sky's the limit. So it's a great great pick. Yeah, um, these all around guys are who you want in the league. Sorry. So you yeah, want to go absolutely. ahead with number seven? Sure. So uh, I went with Killian Hayes, uh, the guard from France. I don't want to. Butcher the what is it ratio farm Ulm he played for um, something like that uh, just uh, I think uh, another you know point guard needy team in Detroit uh, I think Hayes can fill that role pretty early on um, you know I've mentioned before I would like to see him uh, develop that right hand more um, but you know ultimately I think I think this is a guy that that can start to help move Detroit in the right direction. Yeah, I completely agree. Huge swing for the fences. Uh, and I know my guy, my Pistons guy, Tyler Mormon will absolutely love this pick. He's been trying to speak this into existence since like January. So I like the pick, uh, you know, they're obviously in need of anything, any direction uh, and getting someone a guard, especially a huge step forward for a quick rebuild. All right. What do you got at eight for the, uh, the New York Knicks? Speaking of a swing for the fences for a guard and a rebuild, uh, I went with Cole Anthony uh, for the Knicks at eight from North Carolina. Uh, You know, I mean, he's my number six player on my board. I know there's some issues uh, with him about character that's causing him to slip. But uh, I think ultimately that's smoke. I don't believe anything personally that comes out before uh, before the combine. And that's been around for like a month and a half, just out of the blue. Uh, I think that stuff just. I'm not buying into it. I think he's too talented. It seems like smoke from a bottom team trying to get him to fall. Um, and I really like him for the Knicks. I mean, they need they need some excitement back in the garden. Yeah, and he he brings that alpha mentality too. And and I think he he can maybe take command of you know some of the culture there. And you know he's he's not a guy who's going to come in and deal with losing. Um, and I think that's where some of the you know quote character stuff comes from with. You know, he couldn't be out there when he was hurt for uh, North Carolina. And, um, you know, he, he was probably trying to fire people up because, 
you know, he doesn't, he doesn't deal with that. So, um, you know, I, I think it's a good fit culture wise, especially. Yep. Um, at number nine for Washington, I went with Isaac Okoro, uh, the wing from Auburn, um, does everything well, but shoot. Um, <laughs> and if he ever becomes even a league average shooter, he's going to be a stud. He's the ultimate glue guy. Uh, exactly what Washington needs um, as, you know, John Wall maybe finds his way back into the lineup after, you know, a long, long injury. And, you know, Bradley Beal can can score with the best of them. Um, I just think they need that kind of go to lockdown wing defender. Um, and and again, if the shooting ever develops, it's it's a wrap. Yeah. And I mean, if there's ever a team like given their history or given the coach's history, I should say with Scott Brooks. I mean, if there's ever anybody to develop a non-shooting guy like him, I mean, literally, like you said, he has one flaw on my list, which is shooting. That's entirely it. There was one guy ever in the league to do it. Give me Scott Brooks. Like he will be, he will make, he will make him so good in Washington and they need defense really badly. So I like that pick. And then what do you got at 10? So, at 10, sorry, I, <laughs> I choked on my spit a little bit there. Uh, <laughs> at 10, uh, I know a lot of Suns listeners that uh, that really like Tyrese Halliburton are going to be sad. Uh, I went with Kyra Lewis Jr. Really like the upside. He's still, I think he just turned 19 or something. I mean, he was a 17-year-old freshman. Uh, so he's young. I think he's a really good defender, despite not being terribly strong or heavy. Uh, super quick and just all-around high offensive upside. Uh, so I think this is just an absolute perfect fit next to Devin Booker. Yeah, I think it's a good fit, too. Um, you know, I, I thought you were maybe going to go with Tyrese Halliburton there, but, um, you know, Lewis may have some more upside there. Um, and, you know, for a team that that has two, um, you know, burgeoning superstars, you know, why not take that swing? Um all right, at 11 for San Antonio, um, I, I stopped Obi Toppin's fall, the uh, forward <laughs> from Dayton. I wasn't 100% sure where to go with the Spurs here. I think if Williams or Vassell had made it there, I would have gone that direction. Um, you know, I do think they need to to get back to their, uh, you know, finding that defensive way that, that they've had for so long. But I, I think it, it's tough to pass on Obi here because – I really want to see – this is kind of a selfish pick. I, I want to see how Pop <laughs> utilizes a guy like Obi yeah. because he can score from anywhere on the floor, um, really good facilitator out of the high post as well, um, you know, kind of take over the LaMarcus Aldridge role in a way um, and kind of pass that torch there. And I think they can find <clears throat> defensive guys elsewhere, so I didn't, I didn't want to, you know, reach on – on just a defensive wing, you know, you're, you're kind of at the back end of the lottery, um, you know, take a talent. And, and I think Toppin's probably a better fit for the Spurs than Wiseman, even though I think Wiseman's probably the better player. Yeah. I was going to say Wiseman is probably who, if it, it was one of those two, it had to be. And uh, I mean, I really like, you know, I'm, I'm low on Toppin. Uh, I have him like 15th on my board, I think, give or take. And I think if there was ever a team that would make me shoot him back up in the top 10 it's San Antonio I mean the off-ball movements they the off-ball sets they run for an off elite off-ball movement guy would be incredible like that is the perfect spot for him like you said the defense can easily be made up for too 
All right. So speaking of James Wiseman, who do you have the uh, Kings picking at 12? Uh, you'll never guess this given the introduction, but I got, I got the Sacramento Kings taking this guy, James Wiseman from Memphis, uh, slash not Memphis. Uh, I, really think, <laughs> I, I, I think the Kings for a team that's kind of stuck in mediocrity swing for the fences. Uh, they don't really have too much rim protection as is uh, full time. I should say they've got some guys that can come and go and do it. But I think Wiseman next to De'Aaron Fox, I mean, she's the fastest, two of the fastest guys in that <laughs> position, arguably. Uh, I really like that fit. Not sure how uh, I'm, I'm just going to be perfectly blunt. I'm not too confident in the Kings actually developing him. Uh, but I mean, if we don't really know, honestly, I think it's fair to say we really don't know how good he actually is uh, against his skill level. So I, I think the Kings just take best player available here. Swing for the fences at 12. It's kind of a boomer bust spot in the lottery anyways. So yeah, it was. To me, that's that's just a there's a big drop off in talent after Wiseman, so you might as well. Um, I don't think it's a good fit for him. Um, I don't necessarily like the fit of Bagley pairing with Wiseman either. Um, but you know, again, just you try to stack talent and and hope for the best. Uh, Wiseman to me is you know arguably a top five talent in the class, maybe just outside the top five. So, um, like you said, take a chance. Um, at number 13 with New Orleans, uh, I went with Aaron Neesmith, uh, the wing from Vanderbilt. Um, I, I was very close to picking our guy Desmond Bain here. Um, I went with Neesmith. I feel like he's a little more fluid of a player. Um, and I think, you know, I just wanted to get an elite shooter in New Orleans. Um, you know, you're going to be building around Zion Williamson, uh, Brandon Ingram, of course, Lonzo Ball. Um, you know, just keep keep putting shooters and role players in there. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be a great defender, but I think he could be average. Um, you know, I kind of liken his game, actually, to J.J. Redick. So, I, you know, I think there is... <laughs> Um, definitely a, a path for him, obviously, to being very successful there. Um, but now you just have somebody who's kind of more in line with the um, with the core group in terms of age and kind of coming up with those guys. Yeah, so I think what you're saying is, uh, just like J.J. Redick, uh, Aaron Neesmith is going to make the playoffs every year of his career until like year 14, right? Or something, something like that. that. <laughs> something like that. If he goes to the, to the Pelicans, yeah, I, I do. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's not unrealistic for him to make a long playoff run, honestly. Like, that's a perfect thing. And like you said, I mean, they need shooters. They need the role players. It's cheaper to get someone in the draft. Easier, I should say. To get someone in the draft that does that when you have Neesmith there um, than in free agency. So, I like the pick. And then for Boston, uh, at the end of the lottery, I chose Tyrese Maxey from Kentucky. Uh, First of all, the biggest thing, if there was – ever a team I know I keep saying this if there's ever a team to develop his jump shot it's Boston <laughs> like that's the <laughs> biggest thing and they already have a guy who I think Tyrese Maxey has shades of which is Marcus Smart uh just really similar defensive minded uh not a great shooter kind of off ball point or off point guard uh, excuse me off guard like a combo guard to an extent um I I just really like the idea of them being able to develop another Marcus Smart not as a direct comparison yeah, no, but that's that's a really good fit with Boston. Yeah. Um, I was hoping that I'm I'm hoping that's a guy that falls to Dallas. I, I do think he's a good fit for what we need. 
Um, so I'd be a little disappointed to see him go just four picks ahead of us. Um, but now I have the task of picking for your Orlando Magic, and I'm, I'm hoping I make <laughs> you proud here. Um, I went with the best talent on the board, uh, Tyrese Halliburton, guard from Iowa State. Um, I, I think he's best as just an on-ball point guard, but, you know, I, I think he'd be a good fit with Markel Fultz. Um, and, again, just give me the top talent. You know, once I'm out of the lottery, I'm, I'm just kind of looking for the best guys. Yeah, and I do have a lot of concerns with Halliburton. Probably, personally, it probably wouldn't be my pick. I'd rather have someone who can be a three-level scorer uh, just because the Magic just don't have that. But Halliburton would still be a good pick. So I, you passed the test. <laughs> All right, I got at least a C on it. <laughs> yeah, you got a solid B-. minus. <laughs> I'll take that. Low 80s. Hey, B's get degrees. So. <laughs> and then uh, with the 16th pick, I, had, uh, I, fa- I actually thought this was a really hard pick for – when in my head, I was like, oh, this would be easy. Uh, and then when I actually had to decide, it was pretty hard. So I had Portland uh, at 16. I chose Sadiq Bay from Villanova. There were a few guys, pretty much every, the next like seven picks were all people I was heavily consider- considering. Um, but with Sadiq Bay, I mean, we know Portland runs, they, they try and hide a lot of their defensive woes. Uh, Sadiq Bay helps with that. He's obviously a good shooter. They love the five out system. He'd be a perfect on offense there. Um, so I really just like the fit as a three and D wing there. Yeah. And another guy that I think we would love to see in Dallas. Um, so again, would suck to see him go two picks before, but <laughs> hey, I made it hard. I made it very hard for myself. <laughs> you did. Um, but yeah, we, we talked about him a, a few episodes ago. Great player. We both like him a lot. Um, that, that'd be a good fit, uh, import. He'd be a good fit anywhere, to be honest with you. Yeah. Uh, you know, he's just that kind of player. Um, at 17, uh, with Minnesota having a, their second pick of the first round, uh, I went with the other Memphis big man, uh, Precious Achawa. Did I pronounce that correctly? Achawa? Sorry, yeah, Achawa, Achawa, uh, either one I've heard. Okay. So the reason I went with this pick um, is I think if I had gone Okongwu in the first, that takes care of this um, kind of need but i just think again he's the perfect kind of four or five combo to put with carl anthony Towns, someone who can play on the perimeter a little bit defensively someone who can you know just kind of be a a, a floor runner as a five offensively um you know someone who can just mesh with their current core um so so that that's the reason for that pick. Dude, I love that pick. And like what you don't get from a Kongwu, uh, like obviously, you know, that was the one you were heavily considering. You get I think you get almost a low key. He could play the three in some lineups if his jump shot develops. Right. Um, so I really like that pick. And I mean, the core that they would have now of Edwards, Towns, Russell, Achua, and potentially Malik Beasley, whoever you want to throw in at Culver. I mean, that's a really solid young team that probably if everything goes right, they're back on track pretty quick. And speaking of back on track pretty quick, you like that segue? The <laughs> uh, Dallas I got Mavericks Dallas, who only went like two or three seasons without making the playoffs in a row. Uh, <laughs> I chose, and this is, I hated choosing the exact same guy I mock every single time I get the chance to, but like he's a perfect fit. Uh, Josh Green, I think if there was one non-shooting, non-great shooting wing that Dallas could develop, it's this guy. Uh, insane athlete, insane defender, uh, incredible motor. 
all those three things, like, and I think he's smart. I think he's a really smart kid. Uh, all of that meshes perfectly with Rick Carlisle. Like, even if he can't shoot, I don't think it kills, you know, kills the play. He can be run off ball. We've seen Dorian Finney-Smith be out there just fine for years without being able to shoot until this year. So, yeah, it's it's a good pick. It's it's a really good fit. Um, you know, I think I think perimeter def- and defense in general for the Mavericks was exposed a little bit uh, in the bubble and in the you know against the the Clippers, uh, who obviously have two of the best offensive wings in the game. Um, you know, despite Paul George <laughs> showing up despite the first him being half of that feet. series. <laughs> um, but, you know, the, that, the defense needs to be addressed out there, and, and you do it with, with Green. Um, you know, part of me, again, wanted to see Desmond Bain there because I, I think adding an Same. elite shooter, any opportunity you can around Luka um, makes a ton of sense. I also would have heavily considered Poku there. Um, yeah. The one downside yep. is is he's not going to contribute for you in year one, and maybe not year two. Um, you're saying for won't even for 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 the Mavericks, like he, you, he's you not mean, a guy. You mean Green or Poku? Poku, I'm sorry. Oh, okay, okay. You know, he he's not somebody that's going to come in and be a contributor. And when you're a team that you know pushed the Clippers as far as you did. Um, you know, maybe you're you're looking to add more immediate contributors, and if so, then Josh Green's your guy. Yeah, and and I mean, we we kind of know how Dallas is. Like, they're going to do one of two things: they're going to take go all in on the raw guy. Um, and I mean, the other argument for for Pokuchevsky is that he's cheap. You probably don't bring him over, uh, so you don't even have to pay the contract this year, really. Like, I mean, it's a minimal thing. Um, so, I mean, that's a huge financial aspect that I think the Mavs are heavily considering. Um, and also, I mean, like they don't have to do anything in development for a couple of years. Like that's a, those are huge pluses. And I, I personally, like I'm super negative on the Mavs development. Um, I personally think Josh Green is, it's his floor on defense. Like you said that, yeah, it was hard not choosing Desmond Bain, especially because of who I am. Uh, but, <laughs> but like. It was. I, I really do think that there there are so many shooters in this draft, and this isn't obviously a knock on Desmond, but there's so many shooters that there's just not enough defenders uh, yeah. that can with the upside. So that's why I chose him. No, that's totally that's, fair. Um, the one other the thing devil. that I what's that? <laughs> oh, go ahead, go ahead. So the one other thing that I wonder just about Poku as I'm thinking about it, and this is literally something that you know just kind of hit me. Um, He's not Giannis, but with the similarities and just, you know, body type being from Greece, basically being like a seven foot with some guard skills, like, you know, all this stuff. I just I wonder if if it's making Donnie's like (laughs) scouting whatever go off and. You know, if he just like walks right into Cuban's office and he's like, "Don't you make me pass on this a second Dude. time?" <laughs> so I don't know, just something to consider. Dude, do you think they think about like the fact that they're unbelievably European and they're like, "I, I don't know if we want to fulfill that stereotype too much," and like it actually weighs on them. I would like, hope not. But they don't want to be, you know, they're about to be relocated to like middle 
of Europe if they take him. <laughs> like, <laughs> hey, I'm fine with that. Hey, same. But <laughs> like, <laughs> it'd be it'd be quite the stereotype though against the Mavs, and it'd be really funny. But I, uh, you know, I, give me basketball players. Yeah, for real. Give me the best real, basketball. No matter players. where they're from. Yep. All right, so number 19 with Brooklyn, I went with Desmond Bain, uh, and I wrote out he's a wing from TCU and Richard's heart. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we've talked about him ad nauseum on the show. Um, you know, you've, you've heard Richard talk about him for years at this point. Um, but I think if you pair him with, with Joe Harris and just have two elite shooters God. alongside um, KD and Kyrie. Um, they're going to get a ton of open looks and they're going to hit them. Uh, they're both probably going to hit 40 to 45% of their threes. Um, you could basically rotate them in for each other. Uh, and, and you never have to be without, you know, probably one of the best three point shooters in the NBA. I know Bain hasn't, stepped on an NBA floor yet, but he's going to be one of the best shooters in the NBA by, by the time he, you know, makes his debut. Yeah. And I mean, Joe Harris is a free agent too. So at the worst, uh, you replace him like a one for one. That's a, it's a really solid move for Brooklyn. All right. What you got at 20 for the, uh, we're, I'm just going to call it now the runner ups, Miami. (laughs) Yeah. So for Miami, uh, funny enough, my two, uh, draft darlings, I guess you could say, went back-to-back, oddly enough. So I went with Elijah Hughes. Uh, really fits everything that Miami does. The culture, the ball handler by committee. Uh, I just, I buy into everything. I mean, I've really tried talking myself out of him because it's so hard to trust these Syracuse guys. But the same way that, like, it's hard to trust the Louisville guys, a lot of times that was the reputation for Donovan Mitchell. I really think the same thing for Hughes. I think he's an exception. Uh, and not to compare them, of course, but... I mean, I can't find many flaws in Hughes' game that don't actually can be attributed to him. I mean, like, yeah, he played in the zone, but he broke it a lot to play the right defense. Like, that's a very rare thing to say. Uh, I think he does everything very well. I think he has, honestly, star upside. I, and I know that's crazy to say for a guy who's a consensus second-round pick. Uh, but I just really think if there was especially a team to get him, it's Miami. Well, and I got to be honest with you, I, I don't know much about Elijah Hughes. Um, I'm kind of pulling him up over here on on my um, little Dude, database look at the here. You should look at the thread I made today. Uh, it was unbelievably petty, but I broke down in the tired game. I mean, dude, it was I literally went for the most average game, and he still was far and away the best player on the court. Like, even his misses and mistakes were like, eh, you know, shit happens. Part of my French. <laughs> <laughs> well... <laughs> Well, there you go. A couple firsts, uh, the mock draft and the first swear word, I believe. But, uh, <laughs> I'm on a streak tonight, man. You are. Um, the next one. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, regardless, um, you know, like I said, I, I didn't know much about Hugh, so I'll definitely be checking out the, the threads you made. You made that today, you said? Yep. All right. So today's October 3rd. Um, so if you're listening and you want to go see what he had to say, um, just go back to October 3rd, um, and maybe once the, the podcast drops, he can retweet it or something, just so it's so it's easy to find. But uh, based on what you've said about him, you know, can't can't be mad at that. Um, at 21 for Philly, uh, how many picks does Philly have again? Uh, I think they have four. Okay, and obviously they won't five. make them all. They won't make them all. Um, 
and I actually I made this pick before they hired Doc Rivers. Um, and I don't know if that would make me want to change it, but you know, for now, <clears throat> I went with Poku. Um, Alexei Pokushevsky, I believe is how you say it, something like that. Um, you know, very unique player that we've talked about a little bit here and there. You know, a seven foot almost guard. Um, so much room for growth. Uh, but if you're Philly, to me, with with all the picks that you have, I know you're you're trying to make a playoff push right now. But you know, take that kind of talent and just see what happens. Because if he hits, you know, a big three of Poku, Simmons, and Embiid, you know, three guys who are all at least six ten, six eleven. I mean, huh. shoot. <laughs> hey, that's a franchise-saving move, potentially. And, and I mean, the, spoiler alert, the way the board fell, uh, there's tons of opportunities for some more NBA-ready guys at 34, 36, uh, wherever the hell they pick next. Uh, and there was your next one. So <laughs> <laughs> You're mad at but, I mean, they have, they have so many options that, like, they don't need to choose the NBA-ready guy at 21. Like, I mean, they have five picks in – the options are there, man. Yeah. So, all right, at 22, the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, so I went with Tyrell Terry, uh, one of the latest risers. I think he's just a really good shooter. A lot of his freshman tape can be almost negated in my mind because he was my weight. Like, I'm 160, <laughs> and that was his weight. And, uh, I mean, I'm a few inches shorter. So, like, if that says anything, it, it's hard to judge him when he's scared to go to the rim because of the weight. Uh, and he added 15 pounds of muscle, 20 pounds of muscle. So uh, he'd never been, you know, in a pro workout environment, anything like that. So I think uh, I think Denver, yet again, gets another steal in the draft. And he fits in perfect next to Jokic. Uh, another guy that I haven't watched too much of, we're kind of getting into that territory for me. <laughs> um, I'm a little surprised you didn't go with Riller. Uh, I know that's another kind of offensive-minded <laughs> point guard you like. Um could you kind of explain why you decided to go with Terry instead? Yeah, so with it's hard because I think Terry fits better with Jokic year one. I think they're not really going for the I, – I don't know how to describe it. He's a perfect combo of now and for the future. I think he's got a lot more upside than people give him credit for, myself included. Uh, I've been a little bit low on him till recently, but I just like the way he can fit with Jokic a little bit better. Uh, I feel like they need someone off-ball at point guard, uh, backup at least first before the kind of ball dominant guy like Grant Riller. But I would take if Grant, like if the Nuggets took him, I'd have absolutely no problem with that. It's still a really good pick. That was really tough. And I kind of wanted to see how much I could get away with seeing Grant fall. <laughs> but, <laughs> but like, I mean, I mean, I'm kidding, but like Tyrell Terry is a really good shooter. And obviously the fit is perfect for me. All right. Like low pressure. At a uh, 23 uh, Utah, I gave the jazz Jaden McDaniels, uh, forward from Washington, uh, just an upside pick, uh, for me. Um, I really like what Utah's building. Um, so for me, it's, it's take a guy who's got going to have a defined role or take a guy who could develop into an absolute stud. Uh, I decided to go for the latter here. Um, I just think the upside's enormous, uh, here, I'm going to pull up his, um, his numbers real quick, you know, six nine two oh one. He's probably got a seven foot wingspan. I don't have any numbers on that. Oh no, it's super long. He has a super long wingspan. It's like seven four. That's crazy. So yeah, um, 
good good shooting base. I mean, 76% from the line, 34% from three on four attempts a game. Um, you know, I think there's there's a decent floor there. But again, um, just a massive, massive ceiling if, if he can hit his potential. I don't think he will. Um, you know, if I was more confident in that, then he's he's easily a lottery pick. Um, yeah. You know, there's definitely boom or bust potential there. But, um, you know, I, I thought it'd be a fun fit, you know, with the length that, that the Jazz already have, obviously, with Rudy Gobert. Yeah, I, I just want to say I absolutely love that pick. Uh, first of all, Utah has incredible track record uh, drafting 15-plus. Um, so I, I just – I cannot say enough how much I like that pick. And, and, you know, his biggest issue, a lot of people say, like, obviously his decision-making is pretty bad. But – his biggest issue people say is like, Oh, the shot's broken, which it's not pretty, but like if you have the shooting splits, I think he shot almost like what? 75% from the line, something like that. Plus yeah. 34% from the deepened NBA, basically NBA three point line. Something's not adding up there. Like the narrative doesn't match the actual facts. So I like that pick. I think he's a better shooter than giving credit for Like you said, the shooting base is there. So I like that. I like that pick a lot. Uh, all right, so 24, uh, you took the guy I wanted at 25, so who'd you give Milwaukee? <laughs> so I swung for the fences. Um, I mean, given Milwaukee's kind of territory, I do think they need to kind of uh, swing for the fences in case Giannis does leave. Uh, and at 24, I mean, this is incredible value. RJ Hampton uh, from New Zealand slash Dallas, Texas. I really like handling upside. Yeah, little one. We went. I mean, that was my first high school game I'd ever been to. Was us two went to see him against Prosper when he was a sophomore. So I really like the upside. It's again pure upside swing. The shot looks a lot better in the videos we've seen. Not really sure how much you can trust Instagram and all that, but uh, I mean, unbelievably quick. He might be the fastest player in the draft. Like he's right up there. Uh, You know, really good slasher. Uh, Just pure swing at the at the fences. And for a team like Milwaukee that may lose Giannis, at least you have some ground to follow on yeah um he's a guy that i had really high hopes for coming in partially because he's just a local kid but um you know when yeah, we, saw we saw him, him. <laughs> well when we saw him he he kind of they, they ended up losing but he put the team on his back and dude you know sorry, had so, that go ahead sorry to interrupt but dude can we talk about how hostile of an environment that was for a sophomore like he was 15 and people are, like, screaming at him, like, not like fans, but, like, it felt like personal attacks. I remember looking at you multiple times, you're like, what the hell? Like, what is, <laughs> what is being said to this kid? Like, at the end of the day, he's a kid, so, I mean, he's taken a lot, and he played pro. Sorry to interrupt. No, but that's, just real quick, that's something that really does suck, is the way that, to me, like, some of the early attention these kids get, like, they don't get a chance at, like, a normal life. Yeah. Um and RJ could have he could have gone anywhere he wanted. He had offers from every major college basketball school in the country. Decided to go pro. Um, I don't think it went quite as well as he was hoping it would. Yeah. Um, but it was great experience for him. Um, you know, someone who I think needed to be in a you know professional defensive scheme and develop that way. Um, someone who could learn how to play an on-ball and off-ball role uh, with how much the ball was in his hands in high school. Um, So I I think, you know, while it it didn't necessarily raise his stock, uh, like I think he he was hoping, I think the experience for him was incredibly helpful. Um, 
And, you know, to go into a situation like that in Milwaukee where where you can still just kind of sit and learn and then kind of get your reps here and there, uh, I think that'd be a really good situation for him as well. Um, you know, potentially a career-saving situation as opposed to him, you know, putting up empty numbers, you know, the Knicks being impressed and he goes to New York, you know. So yep. um, we'll see. Uh, at 25, I took another Richard guy. Uh, <laughs> I gave the Oklahoma City Thunder Jordan Wara uh, forward from Louisville. Um, maybe a bit of a reach, but I, I think kind of the, again, 25 to even 40, 45 range is somewhat interchangeable. So for me, uh, I was hoping Hampton was going to fall to 25. I thought that would have been a really nice fit in Oklahoma City. Um, but regardless, you get a 40% shooter, um, you know, someone whose shooting will definitely translate to the next level. Um, in a way, his 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 game almost offensively, at least, reminds me a bit of the Morris twins. Um, and and so I, I, I think he'll he'll be a really solid player at the next level. I think he's a guy who comes in, has a 10 year career and a very solid defined role. Um and, you know, for, for a team that's continually looking to get back to the playoffs, um, you know, that's the kind of player you need to be drafting at the end of the first round. Yeah. And my favorite stat I found on him was, so as a junior, he had nine games where he had four three-pointers made in uh, three with zero. Uh, <clears throat> or, I'm sorry. And I, I'd read this completely backwards. He was a junior this year. I, uh, as a sophomore, he had eight games with three uh, with or he had, excuse me, I completely botched this. He had eight games where he made, um, where I, I completely ruined the stat. Four threes uh, in actually, a game? Yeah, I, I just, I want to say it was four, yeah, and I completely missed the number. I'm reading my tweet. I, I just completely botched it. Uh, so he had eight games with four threes or more as a sophomore. This is last year because the timelines are off. And he had six with zero. This year he had nine games with four made threes or more and, la- and three with just zero. Uh, which given the deeper three point line, that's insane. Like that's an NBA ready shooter. Yeah, no question. Um, so at 26, uh, Boston has their second of three first round picks. Yeah. So first of all, I learned a lot, uh, after picking this guy. So apparently his name isn't Theo, it's Teo, uh, Maladon. Uh, I had no idea I've been saying it wrong this whole time, but uh, for Boston, look, I mean, I know they already took another guard and they really don't need this many guards, but first of all, they'll probably not have any imports this year just because of everything going on in the world. Uh, so it's a cheap, cheap pick plus uh, really nice swing at the fences. You know, there's not many guys with his combination of length, vision, the shot, and just, I, I really think that's a rare combination as simple as that is. I just think you don't find that too often and Boston would be perfect for him. Yeah. And for, uh, you know, one of the uh, a team that was just in the Eastern Conference Finals, you know, to have three draft picks um, in the first round, that they'll probably move one of them. But if they don't, you know, maybe you you already took your guy who's going to be a really good role player in your system. You know, now maybe you take a shot or two at at these high upside players that you could stash overseas, and you don't have to you don't have to worry about for a couple of years. Yep. Yeah, and. and- Real quick, do you think Boston, which is more likely, Boston making all three picks or them trading up all three to get, like, in the top eight or top five? 
Like, definitely, um, like, they're not going to make all three, right? Like, there's, like, almost no chance. Yeah, I think, I still think making all three is more likely. I just, I don't see a top seven or eight team moving down to 14 with, you know, getting just a couple yeah. late picks. Um, I don't, I could see them going up, like, two or three spots and maybe including one of those late picks, but I just don't think all that gets them up to five. Yeah. Uh, I think all the teams in the top eight picks really, with the exception of the Warriors, well, no, really with the Warriors too, you just need to take a stud um, rather than a bunch of, you know, role players. So, Um, all right, at 27, uh, the New York Knicks uh, second second pick this round. I went with Daniel Oturu, the post from Minnesota. Um, it's Minnesota, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Um, I, I just I, – we already gave them a point guard earlier. Um, I know the kind of joke of the offseason was, was that they signed like 17 power forwards. Um, but, you know, I, I think that Oturu's just a good player. Uh, arguably the best player on the board, um, just addressing a different potential need. Um, you know, a 20 and 11 guy in college. So I don't know. What did you think? Would you have gone yeah, in so a different direction? I'm, no, you did a great. I mean, he's better. He's got more upside than any forward or big man on the Knicks. I'm not named Mitchell Robinson. Um, I mean, he's in elite company uh, since 2009. The players to average 20 and 11 is just an unreal list. Outside of Mike Dom, who, uh, you know, the dominator or whatever his nickname was, he all was these guys played in the play. He was a beast. Oh, yeah. No, he was incredible in college. Um, he just played at South Dakota State, so it's a little bit, you know, harder to, uh, to put him in the NBA like the competition was weaker. But the players to average 20 and 11 since 2009 are Blake Griffin, DeAndre Aiden, Pascal Siakam, uh, fellow draft mentor Lamine uh, I still don't know how to say his name. John, yeah, it's spelled Diane, but I don't know how to say it. It's not it. Marvin Bagley, Alan Williams, and Dan Oturu. Like, you're making the NBA, and you're going to stick at least for a little bit with that. That's just unreal company. So I like the pick, A+. Plus. <laughs> a+. Plus. So hopefully I'll get an A-plus on my Lakers pick. Uh, I went with, at 28, I went with the SEC Player of the Year, Emmanuel Quickly. Uh, I genuinely don't understand why he doesn't get more hype. Uh, you know, not a good finisher at the rim, but elite floaters. I think he shot 90% from the free throw line. A really almost elite shooter. Uh, shot 40%. I mean, there's a reason he was SEC player of the year. And uh, I guess my last thing I would say is, you know, he, you talk, you hear about these Kentucky guys that are hidden and all that. And they, you know, they show more in the NBA. Quickly that guy, which is crazy because he was the player of the year. So, like, I think his ball handling was really hidden. He was small forward a lot of the times, which is not at all what he'll be playing in the NBA. Uh, but if he gets the pair next to LeBron James, I mean, he could really help with a bench unit facilitating and also just starting next to LeBron as a shooter. Yeah, and he's a guy that we talked about a couple weeks ago with our buddy Noah Rubenstein. Um, and we mentioned the Lakers as a, a really good fit for him. Um you know, if he were to go in that back half of uh, really the end of the first round, um, I forget if it was you or Noah who kind of mentioned, I think it was Noah that mentioned that, uh, you know, he kind of thought he could fill that KCP role to a degree. Um, and, and so, again, there's already a path for him to being successful. Yeah. 
Uh, I think he's a guy we both feel is a little bit underrated. Um, so yeah, I think it'd be, it'd be a really nice pick for the Lakers. Yeah, no, I completely agree. So you want to go at 29 so you can get nice picks? Sure. With the, uh, Toronto Raptors, I took another one of your guys, Grant Riller, uh, the little guard from Charleston. Um, to me, this was, I, I think because I've seen them have so much success with Fred Van Fleet. I just feel like Riller would be a, a nice um, fit in uh, Nurse's offense. Um, you know, again, kind of an undersized guard who can who can score from anywhere. Um, you know, he's he's averaged 22 points a game each of the past two seasons. Um, so this was more of a pick that I thought would be fun than anything else. Yeah, and so when I said three-level score earlier for Orlando, I kind of had Riller in my mind. I was, like, subtly trying to reference him. Uh, I mean, it's unfair if Toronto gets him, I think. I think that's just <laughs> a three-level score who can do everything on offense. They can make up for his defense in plenty of ways. Like you said, I mean, Nick Nurse is a genius. So I like that pick a lot. Yeah, and, and again, being able to hide his defense the way they've been – you know, kind of able to hide Van Bleed's defense the, the same sort of way. So, um, yeah, again, I think it'd be a fun pick. So with Boston's third and final first round pick and actually the last pick of the first round, uh, who did you decide to give Boston? So I gave them uh, Leandro Palomaro, almost said Leandro Barbosa. Uh, <laughs> I gave them Leandro Palomaro, uh, you know, I, I really do think that Balmaro is not – I mean, we know he's not going to come over right away. I think he said he's not. Uh, it really helps Boston financially. Plus, again, man, if there's another team to fix that jump shot, it's them. <laughs> yeah, and I think uh, I think we mentioned Boston as a, as a possibility when, uh, um, when Derek was on the show with us a couple yep. of weeks ago as well. Um, or I think three, three or four weeks ago at this Man, point. Man, time, time is all one crazy thing. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but uh, yeah, it's another guy that we've talked about in detail. Um, I think it'd be interesting if Boston decided, if they made all three picks, if they decided to go with two um, draft and stash guys, I could maybe see them taking one of these high floor uh, college players, uh, maybe like a, an older college veteran. Um, but, uh, a solid pick there nonetheless, um, because this is a Mavs draft podcast and the Mavs have the very next pick, the first pick of the second round, we figured we would make that pick here, uh, as well. This was my selection. Um, I really thought hard about this one and I ended up going with Jamias Ramsey, uh, the guard from Texas tech, um, I don't think he's the like the secondary, excuse me, the secondary facilitator that that I think Dallas is lacking. Um, something that I think will will help prolong Lucas' career, but I don't really think you're going to find a very effective one at 31 anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think Ramsey can uh, can plug a couple holes for you as a um, as a potential three and D player. The team defense, there's a lot to work out there and, and the basketball IQ in general, and it's very possible um, that Carlisle just gets too frustrated with him early in his career. Um, so it may not be the best fit, but 
um, such a good shooter, um, you know, in his, in his lone year at Texas Tech, shot 43% from, from three. Um, the 64% from the line is a little concerning, but I, I think the shot looks good and I buy it. Um, again, not going to give you too much other than the shooting and on-ball defense. Um, but if, if they can deal with the kind of growing pains, I think Ramsey develops into a, um, a core rotation player. Yeah, and my, my lone concern with him is just uh, kind of that the non-conference schedule was really weak for him. I'm, I'm a little bit skeptical of the numbers. Uh, I mean, his best conference game is against Iowa State, who was the worst team because they didn't, they didn't even have Tyrese Halliburton at that point. Uh, I am I am skeptical of Jemias Ramsey, but kind of like you said, it's just what are the other options? You know, you kind of and we alluded to it at the 18th pick. You want the shooter. You really need a shooter. And he is a shooter. Uh, personally, I don't think Dallas is the right spot for him in terms of development. Uh, if everything was equal, I would say, yes, absolutely. If you have the best version of him without a question, you take him. Um, but I do think. Man, like you said, Rick Carlisle and him would. I, I do have a lot of concerns with that. Well, if you were making that pick, what direction would you have gone? So I, I probably would have gone best player available. And looking at my board, there were two guys that stuck out that I, I had a really hard time choosing between uh, based on, you know, uh, based on need and best player available fit, which were Tyler Bay and Zeke Naji. Uh, those two would be perfect fits, especially without Dwight Powell probably for this year. Uh, I do think Zeke Naji would be really good because I think they have similar offensive, uh, I don't want to say capabilities, but similar roles early in their careers. All right. Any uh, any final words before we we kind of wrap this episode? Hey, the next episode will finally be after the NBA is done. We can finally have everybody focus on the draft. Uh, which, of course, leads to too many people will be talking that don't know what they're talking about. And I don't mean that like in a pompous way, like in a cocky way, anything like that. But I mean, just be careful what you see on the Internet, because a lot of this stuff is wrong or just BS. I did yeah, guys who, guys who don't do their homework. Um, yeah. You know, like like some of these, you know, other guys do like you do, like Derek does, um, you know, so so other friends of the show as well. So. Um, definitely a good disclaimer. Um, this was fun. Uh, again, I hope that, that we're able to, to put out a couple more of these, um, maybe have a couple of guests on the next time we do one, uh, just add a little more intrigue that way. And I'm sure yep. we'll come out with one, um, maybe that we'll come up with together right before the draft, um, that, uh, you know, we'll, we'll see how well we can predict what's going to happen. It's going to be crazy, um, with, you know, just everything that's gone on. Uh, I do think it'll be one of the crazier drafts uh, that we've had. Yeah. Um, but we're what, six weeks out now at this point. Dude. Yeah. It's crazy. Only six weeks. I mean, November is going to be a hell of a month. Uh, and speaking of people not to follow, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Speaking, <laughs> I was going to make a joke and say, uh, I botched that too bad, but uh, I was going to say, don't listen to anything that Jared underscore cats 30 guy. Said, oh yeah, but, please don't. Uh, but really, follow Jared uh, at Jared Katz underscore. Excuse me, Katz thirty. Jared Katz thirty is an imposter. Uh, you don't want to. <laughs> you don't want to follow anything he says. But but really, follow Jared. Like uh, I think as the draft gets closer, we're both going to be going 
a lot harder on it on Twitter, I assume, not to put words in your mouth, but or <laughs> tweets. Yeah, there's pressure <laughs> now. But but I mean, yeah, it's it's going to be a fun little process. I'm very excited to see what happens. I'm. I hope we can do, yeah, like you said, if we can do one of these again and probably two full rounds would be really fun. Uh, eventually, that'll probably be the last thing we do before the draft, I would say. So I'm excited. For sure. And in a way, I'm I'm almost over this draft and ready to get on to the yeah. 2021 because well, that'll be, there's some fun prospects there. So so we'll have a, we'll definitely have a preview for that after the, uh, after the draft as well. Um, so uh, thanks again so much for listening. Uh, follow Richard at Mavs Draft. I'm at Jared underscore Cats 30. Uh, you can also see Richard's work at MavsDraft.com. Um, and uh, I believe he's going to be attaching the um, attaching this to the mock draft that he'll post on his website. Uh, so if you're listening just, you know, without that, definitely visit the website so you could see those um, those picks on paper as well. So. Thanks again, and we'll talk to you guys next time.